This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for February 24th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. The message is by Father Ron Baird. The, um, the way I prepare my sermons is that generally on Monday I read the lessons for the following Sunday and then I, I think about them and pray about them and kind of experience the week through the, you know, the eyes of those lessons. And then generally along the way, God kind of is percolating up themes or ideas, and, and I kind of go through those and then try to figure out what it is that God wants me to say, except for this week. This week I read the lessons and I thought, I got nothing. <laughs> so I thought, well, it's going to be one of those weeks that takes a little longer. So Thursday comes along, I thought, I got nothing. <laughs> so yesterday came along and I looked at him again. I thought, I got nothing. <laughs> so I looked at him last night before I went to bed and thought, I still got nothing. <laughs> I thought, this is going to be bad. Um, so I got up this morning and thought, maybe, you know, I'll, on a, God will have revealed something to me in my sleep. Maybe it was just too hectic. So I got up and um, was reading the lessons and got to the end of it and thought, I got nothing. <laughs> and I thought, this isn't good. And so I started panicking. And so I did something I don't normally do. I, I went on the internet to see what other people were preaching about. I thought maybe it would spur some idea. And that only made it worse. Because here, here's what, this is the best of what I found, by the way. Um, a preacher was going to start a sermon by saying, uh, do you know why God didn't make chickens so they could talk? because he doesn't like foul language. <laughs> I told you it was worse. And so then I started praying fervently. <laughs> Dear God, if you want me to say anything, you'd really better be coming up with something fast because I got nothing. So I'm driving here and all of a sudden this thought comes into my head um, from Philippians. And so that's actually what I'm going to preach about. But it has to do with two phrases in it. One of which is Paul talks about that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And it's real easy to overlook that phrase in there because you kind of go, oh, they're, they're the people who are anti-Christian. You know, they don't like the Christians. And that's the way it most you know, commentators would speak of it or something. But I got to think about it, that it seemed like an odd phrase for Paul to use that they were enemies of the cross of Christ. Not that they were enemies of, of the holiness of God or that they were enemies of uh, following Jesus or, or of, of the way or any of those things. They were enemies of the cross. And, and I got to thinking about that. And, and, and if you think about it, that begins to make sense because what does the cross of Jesus do? takes away our sins. It's salvation to sinners. And that's what he's saying is many people are enemies of the ability for God to take away people's sins and forgive them. They are enemies of forgiveness itself. And that's so true, isn't it? Because we, we have lots of ways in which that happens, sometimes more aggressively, sometimes not. But Paul goes on to say that their God is their belly meaning their, their gut, their desires, what they think. And their glory is their shame. 
because it's about them. You know, it's all about them. They don't need forgiveness. They're fine. And it isn't. Another way that, though, that we, we can be enemies of the cross of Christ is that we can also not want God to forgive people. Now, that does happen, and it even happens in Scripture. If you read the story of uh, Jonah and the whale, everybody remembers the whale part, uh, but they forget what the whole story was about, which was that God wanted him to go prophesy to Nineveh, which was the most horrendous city in the world as far as Jews were concerned, because they were the ones that captured the ten tribes and hauled them off into captivity. And so he wanted him to go prophesy. Well, Jonah didn't want to go. He said, I know what you're like. If I prophesy to them and they believe it, you're going to forgive them. So I don't want to go there. Because he didn't want God to forgive them. And then when God did forgive them because they repented, then he was mad about it and he pouted, it says. And, and we can be like that too. You know, we, we want God to forgive us, but do we want God to forgive Adolf Hitler? Or do we want God to forgive Osama bin Laden? Or do we want God to forgive that person who hurt us so badly and maliciously? You know, all too often, we don't want that kind of forgiveness. We just want our forgiveness. And so it becomes easy for even Christians to become enemies of the cross of Christ. Because ultimately, the message of the cross is that forgiveness is poured out for sinners, anyone who would come. So how does that happen? How does that work? Well, Paul talks about that a little bit more about how it works for us in, in that. In that and it fits so well into this journey that we call Lent as we wander through the wilderness of our sinfulness, of our broken world. And we, we see the, the, the brokenness of our own lives and the sins that we commit, but also the brokenness and sins of others in the world in which we live. It becomes easy as we wander through that world to begin to consider it normal. Just, well, everybody does it. Why is it a big deal? Because if everybody does it, it can't be bad, right? And we try to rationalize things that way. You know, and, and we even look at our sins, individual sins, and we go, well, yeah, I overeat and I don't really exercise enough. I'm not taking care of my body the way I should, but I haven't axe murdered anybody. So I'm not as bad as other people are. As though there's some sort of pecking order in evil. And, and, you know, there's a cutoff point. If you're only this evil, you get, you, you, you get in. But if you're that evil, eh, you're out. But sin leads to death either way. And it becomes easy for us to begin to wander through this world and, and become hardened to the sin that becomes such a natural-seeming part of our life. I just think that's the way it is. For instance, would anybody here be surprised if this week we hear that Congress and the President were unable to reach an agreement on the budget? I mean, we wouldn't be going, oh, they're kidding, like how they did that? I mean, it wouldn't be a shock at all that our government can't even agree on how to fix basic problems. I mean, and we're not shocked by it. We've become hardened to it. You know, we hear about a murder that went on downtown and we're not shocked by it anymore. Happens all the time, right? So I think we just don't want it happening in our neighborhood. And we become hardened to the world and the way of the world. And furthermore, a lot of times we don't even ever hear about it. You know, terrorism used to be a big deal. Nowadays, it's kind of like, what's the latest terror report? Who's attacked what? 
And we don't even hear anymore about terrorist attacks on other countries. Have you noticed that? Nobody tells you if, if somebody attacks Great Britain or France or Russia or China. You don't hear anything about it. Because, you know, it's hard enough to get people worked up about somebody attacking us. You know, why do we care if they attack somebody else? And we just kind of accept that's the way it is. You know, it just happens that way. Because we become hardened to the fact and, and we buy into what the world is trying to tell us is the normalcy of it. But Paul says to the Philippians and also to us that our citizenship isn't in this world. We are not citizens of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And there's a different standard. There's a different expectation. There's a different worldview in the kingdom of God. And although we're called to be in this world where sin is, is, does happen, we're not called to embrace it and accept it. We're called to struggle against it, against ourselves, our own sin. We're called to see things from God's perspectives because that's who we are. We're children of God. Stanley Hauerwas, who's a, a, a Methodist uh, ethical professor, uh, wrote a great book called Resident Aliens, if you want to re read about it. But he talks about how Christians now need to see ourselves as people who are residing in the world, but we're actually foreigners. You know, we don't belong here. And if you think about it, that makes some sense. And the older I get, the more sense it makes, oddly enough. Do you ever wonder, where do they come up with this stuff? I mean, I heard this week, for instance, that the University of Missouri has decided that they are taking Wiccan holidays off. And I'm thinking... How many Wiccans do they have going to school there? I mean, <laughs> for those who don't know what Wiccan is, it's they're witches. But, I mean, if they got a huge influx of Wiccans in this university, it's kind of hard to believe. There ain't that many in the population. And I wonder, well, do they take off the Buddhist holidays or the Hindu holidays? And, I mean, how did they pick Wiccan, of all things? You know, I can remember when I was a kid, the way they picked holidays was sort of depending on where you were, religious holidays particularly. If you were in a more Christian-oriented neighborhood, they took off the Christian holidays. If you took off the, the uh, if you lived in a Jewish neighborhood, they took off the Jewish holidays. And that was, and it was in the same school system even. They, but they did that because they knew the kids weren't going to come anyway. They were going to go to temple or to church. So it was a matter of, you know, working with the parents to build up the family. Nowadays, you know, we don't take off Good Friday because I'll bet you the University of Missouri does not take Good Friday off as a holiday. But we pick Wiccans of all things. You know, the world gets turned upside down as we buy into the cultural norms of things. And, and the more, the older I get, the more of that I see. It's just things that the world, oh no, we've got to do this. And I'm wondering why? I mean, what, when did this become a problem? Why is this happening? And yet, over and over again, it happens. And it becomes easy just to become jaded to it and accept it. But that's not who we are. We're actually children of God and called to see things through God's eyes, to walk where we are in our communities as children of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't ever make mistakes, nor does it mean we have to go around and condemn the worldview of people who aren't children of God. But it does mean that we're called to set a better example. Because there's a problem with the world the way that it is. That's that you die. 
And who do you know on this earth who's going to raise you from the dead? Nobody. It's only in God's kingdom that that happens. With His Son, who's the Prince of Peace, where that happens. And God, it isn't that He's saying, oh, they're wicked, they're bad, I want to, you know, we should go out. And it drives me crazy when Christians are constantly telling everybody what they're opposed to. They don't ever offer anybody what they can be for. Because what we stand for is life that never ends. Abundance beyond anything that we could ask for or imagine. A knowledge of why we exist and what God wants of us. And what we can do to fulfill that purpose. You know, what we have to offer is amazing. Unless we sell out and become citizens of this world instead of, of the next. Because we can forget that we're citizens of the kingdom, not citizens of this world. And we really do understand that. If you've ever traveled abroad, has anybody, has anybody here traveled abroad? When you travel abroad, you, you, you find out very quickly that they know you're American. I don't know how they know you're American, because you don't even have to talk. And quite honestly, if, if they don't speak English, I don't know how they know anyway. But, but at the early service, we have some Brits who are in that service, and they said, it's the shoes. I said, my shoes were made in France. I don't know. <laughs> but said, so it's the shoes. And, I, and after the service, I had, somebody else said they were stationed in Scotland. And they said they walked into a, a, a store there. And as they walked into the, as he walked into the store, the woman looked up from the counter and said, ah, you're from the States. He hadn't said a word. And, and he said, well, how did you know that? She said, you're tan. <laughs> she thought he had a tan from Scotland, but. But they know, and part of it is that we see the world as Americans. And it's not just, you know, that, you know we, sometimes you wonder if you have an American stamped on the back of your shirt or something, everybody knows it. But it's not that, it's that they see things from a different perspective. They, they ask questions in a different way. They phrase things differently. You know, the kinds of questions we ask, they might not ask at all. The kind of questions they would think were normal in just casual conversation, we don't ask. You know, it just doesn't ever come up. And the norms become different. I remember on our 10th wedding anniversary, Judy and I went to uh, Rome and Paris, and um, we were riding around at night on one of those minibus tours. They have as a nine-passenger van to see the lights of Paris lit up at night, which is gorgeous. And, and we're, we're going around, and the tour guide's showing us the Eiffel Tower all lit up and all these things, and the Champs-Élysées, and, you know, the Arc de Triomphe. And, and so we go by the statue, and he goes, Oh, is this is the statue of Charles de Gaulle, the man who liberated Paris. And out of my mouth comes, without thinking, by the way, uh, de Gaulle liberated Paris. <laughs> and, and without pausing at all, the guy goes, Oh, with the American help, of course. <laughs> So I'd caught myself by then. I didn't say this out loud, but I whispered in Judy's ear, it was nice of us to show up. <laughs> That's their worldview, was that de Gaulle liberated Paris. That's the way they think of it. Now, he'd been around enough Americans to know that we were going to go, huh? <laughs> so he modified it, but I certainly showed him I was an American, didn't I? You know, because here I am challenging his great hero of World War II. And de Gaulle liberated Paris? Because that's the way their history books tell it. And yet, was it true? Any history people here? 
Did De Gaulle liberate Paris? After they ran the Germans out, then <laughs> they retreated, Eisenhower ordered the American army to stop <laughs> at the city boundary until de Gaulle could catch up and lead them in. And so, is that liberating? Yeah, depends on your perspective, doesn't it? Depends on how you see it. That's what it's like, though, is that we see things differently than the world sees them. And what's sad for most of us is that we think that we're seeing things differently than the world sees them when we're out judging other people and, and condemning the, the sins of the world. But the reality is, is that when we do that, we are just as much an enemy of the cross of Christ as we would be if we embraced it wholeheartedly. Because the cross of Christ is about the forgiveness of sins, not about the judgment of sinners. And it's not our place to judge sinners. That's God's place. Only He has that. Our place is to share good news, to tell them there's a better way. There is hope. You don't have to accept this as all that there is. You can look forward to something more powerful. And we even say that when we say the confession, if you'll watch when we do it. We say, have mercy on us and forgive us. That's the forgiveness part. But then we say that we may de walk, uh, delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. It's always about becoming more like God. Forgiveness isn't just something God, Jesus just goes, oh, never mind, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. It's an opportunity to live into a, a life that 